You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong, believe, and be renewed along the way. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, had a little issue with our in our yard with a, a, a sprayer, a sprinkler. It's actually part of the septic system, and there's this release uh, sprinkler system. And one of the sprinkler heads kind of just just blew off, like like in the middle of the night. I came out and just saw this like the sprinkler head laying over on the side. So I had to call the plumber to come and like take a look at it and see how to fix it. And he said that the problem was like this: there's this super glue that glues this attachment on, and then you screw in the sprinkler head to the attachment and that super glue over time had kind of deteriorated and got had some small cracks in it and so moisture got in there and what happened when we had this freeze and yes cold weather is dumb for a lot of reasons you guys know i hate cold weather but the but but it froze and cont- and broke down that that uh that, that super glue that was holding everything together and what and and so then when the next time the septic pump shot the water through there it just blew the lid right off of that and it's kind of like you know what is you know what is holding us together what is holding you know what's the what's your super glue is i guess is the question what hold you together and i think about uh, the the life of Christianity in the church. I think about what is that super glue that holds us all together. Um, I get asked this a lot. A question I get asked a lot is, "What religion are you?" People will find out. Well, will find out I'm a pastor, and they'll say, "Oh, well, what religion are you?" And I kind of chuckle and I say, "Well, Christian. I mean, I'm I'm a church pastor. I'm Christian." And then they'll kind of look at me funny and go, "Oh, oh, okay." And uh, I think what they mean is usually is what denomination are you? Like what brand of Christian are you when they ask what religion are you? And so I think about the reality that that, that the church... Christians are the body of Christ. And if the church is the body of Christ and body meaning one, why is the church so divided? Why are we have, you know, why do we seem like there's nothing holding us all together? We have, we have to start with the fact that we live in a divided culture. We live in a divided culture. Think about it. What are some ways that people divide themselves in our culture? Well, unfortunately, one of those ways is by church denomination uh, and religion. So we're taking time on Sundays and we're diving into what you would say are our core beliefs of Awakened Church. And we feel like now, maybe more than ever, it's important that we spend some time renewing our understanding of what matters now. So what matters now? Jesus. We started with Jesus. Everything we are and do is based on this. Jesus is the foundation of our foundational beliefs. And because Jesus matters now, last week we said holiness matters. If Jesus matters now, then holiness matters. Matters now, and holiness basically means God renews us as we journey with Him. That's kind of there's a lot to it. And again, go back and listen to last week's message if you want that. But we're talking about this reality that God renews us as we journey with Him. And today we're talking about this: unity matters now, and unity matters now because division of the body of Christ is the opposite of Jesus' plan and Jesus' vision for us. And so we're going to read a part of a prayer Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. And if you have a Bible, I would highly encourage you to open up that Bible to the New Testament. It's the Gospel of John, the story of Jesus' life, according to John, one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples. John chapter 17. And here we find that Jesus was teaching his disciples some deep insights on life and spirituality during what we call the Last Supper. And he actually, Jesus is about to, within the next few hours, be arrested and be executed and crucified. 
So, so then as he, as he prays here, he's praying this magnificent prayer in the middle of this, this uh, last supper, and this is a part of that prayer. John 17, verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me with their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Man, Jesus' prayer is pretty, pretty amazing. I would encourage you sometime to take time and read that entire prayer that Jesus prays recorded there in John 17. But for today, here's our big idea. As we become more like Jesus, we become all for one and one for all. And when I say all for one, that I'm, I'm capitalizing that one, like we're all for Jesus. As we become more like Jesus, we become all for the one, for him, and we become one for all. So let's talk about unity. Let's, let's dig in here. Unity requires humility. It requires humility. One of my favorite uh, pictures that I have in my, in my photo album, well, it's a digital photo album on my, la- on my laptop. Um, it's a picture of myself at a pastor's prayer group from a number of years ago in, in Arkansas. And I was a pastor of a church in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and we had this great fellowship of pastors, and we got together every week and prayed. And they still got that going. It's beautiful. But here I am. I sat down in this Baptist church with all these pastors, and this uh, associate pastor from the Lutheran church came and sat beside me. And on the other side, uh, Father George, the Catholic priest, came and sat beside me. And I'm sitting here and I, and I realize I'm sitting in the middle, in between a Lutheran pastor and a Catholic priest. And if you know, if you don't know church history, just Google that. Okay. Because it was kind of like this moment of, wow, some, I was here, I was like, gave my phone to, to another guy and said, here, take my picture, take this picture. It's beautiful. I'm sitting between the Lutheran and the Catholic and it's, it's amazing. Um, and, and here we are. And I got to say that trying to build this kind of community where, where uh, even Christians who have history of kind of division and, and opposite and, and oftentimes even some conflicting doctrines within them, um, the, it can really make this kind of community really difficult, unfortunately. But it takes humility. Think about it. How does humility build unity? So here Jesus prays for these disciples sitting around this dinner table with him. And he's, he's, here's, here's what I find humbling here. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. See, Jesus prays for us. He prays for me and for you right here. Jesus prays for you and for me. And when I meditate on that, it humbles me. It, it, makes, it really makes me feel hum- that Jesus, Jesus prayed for me. Jesus prayed for us. Now, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and we talk about that a lot. And every so often, we feel like, man, let's, let's kind of go back to that Greek language and see what we, were, what we were talking about then when we take these words and apply them to ourselves today. And this word humble or humility that we find in the New Testament is this big word. It's like tapenof rosue. Uh, and I probably said it wrong, tapas nof rosune, which is actually, it's a combination where it's a combination of words. It's it's actually a phrase. 
Humility or being humble is a phrase. It means lowliness of mind. It's, in other words, it means, it means don't think too highly of yourself. Whenever we see Jesus say, humble yourselves or be humble or, or have humility, when we see that, we, what we're seeing is don't think too highly of yourself. This great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, said, humility is to make a right estimate of oneself. Humility is to make a right estimate of oneself. And unity requires this kind of humility in our homes, in our culture, but definitely in the, in the, in the church world, in the world of Christianity. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5, it says, All of you, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humility, humility is, you know, it's to make a right estimate of yourself, but humility is not to put yourself down. Putting yourself down, that's not the point. It's not thinking of yourself, it's not thinking of yourself as worse than others or less than others, but what humility is, is not thinking of yourself as better, smarter, more than others. Humility is saying, you know, God created me. And, and, and I'm learning to love who God created me. But it's not to compare yourselves to others. And unity takes that kind of humility which we, where, you, where you stop comparing. And unity takes patience. Unity takes humility and unity takes patience. It really does. And I think of like one of them in my own area, an area of my life where I have, have learned patience the most is in the area of physical fitness. And uh, most of you guys that know me know I I'm, I work out and I I actually I actually really enjoy working out. Um, certain certain things physical fitness wise I don't enjoy like running. I got into running for a couple of years and I just felt I just don't like it. Um, I, I love a lot of physical activity and I, I love uh, fitness as a, as a as a lifestyle. And so for me, I had, but I had to learn patience because when I first started, I wanted to see results instantly. And most of us are like that. Like I wanted to lose weight and I wanted to, I wanted to like, you know, tone up some muscle. And, and when I, you know, for, for a while, I was just like, man, I'm not losing any weight. And I started like feeling like I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking thinner. I'm, I'm looking, feeling, I'm feeling better, but I'm not losing any weight. And I would get very discouraged by all this because it was, it was taking a long time and I had to learn something. I actually learned some things about the body and body mass. I learned that my particular body type is called mesomorph, which, uh, which means thicker, thicker bones and thicker muscle uh, tissue than, than kind of the, the, the norm. And, uh, and so, you know, I learned this muscle weighs more than fat. And so as I was adding muscle, I actually wasn't losing any weight. I was losing some fat, but I was not losing any weight. Then it was very discouraging me, but I had to learn patience. And it took patience to learn these things and to stay motivated. Don't you think that, that this might be maybe, maybe one of the most difficult challenges for us to be patient? I mean, we live in an instant gratification culture, don't we? Think about it. We have the internet. And if the internet's, if the internet's a little bit slow, we get frustrated. I do. We have a cell phone. We have, we have, you know, microwave, like we want our food instantly. We get, even then, fast food, it's called fast food for a reason. We don't want to wait. And if we feel like we need more patience, when do we need it? We want it now. Give me patience now. <laughs> As Jesus prays for his disciples and us, remember this includes us. He says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, Father. He prays that we would be one. 
we can recognize the, the kind of patience and kindness Jesus was expressing. I mean, Judas, the disciple Judas, he is, he's betraying him even as Jesus is praying this prayer. Peter, Peter's just uh, his, one of his best friends, is just a few hours away from denying he even knows Jesus. Soon, all of them were going to desert him as he's arrested and crucified. It's happening on like the same night he's praying this prayer. And yet Jesus prays for them and for us to be one. In order to be one in unity, Christians actually have to become more like Jesus. That's what it takes. We have to become more like Jesus. And Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, when we take time to really read the letters that make up the New Testament by, by a Jesus follower named Paul, and we look at his life, like this, this one of the earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the letters that make up the New Testament of the Bible, he seems to have become a very patient person as he became more like Jesus. Sometimes he found himself saying the same things to the same congregations over and over and over. And we basically, we see that, that he says in some of the letters, I want what God wants, his followers to live in unity. And folks, that takes patience. The word patient, again, we go back to this was originally written in Greek. Patience, sometimes it's transfer, uh, translated as long-suffering. Patience, patient, or long-suffering. It's the word macrothemia, and it's, it means to tolerate without temper. <laughs> to tolerate without temper. Now, how good are we at that, right? We think about patience, but we just think about waiting. But it means to tolerate without temper. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on. This is written to a church. Gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs, and be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Patience. Patience could be what well, we we could call it sacrificial love if we if we wanted to kind of define it a little bit more. When, when we live with this kind of patience, one of two things is going to happen over time. And maybe both of these things will happen. God will change them. God will change me. One thing about God will change them. We have this mindset sometimes. They they will never change. They will never change. Those words are those words I try not to let those words come out of my mouth. Because they will never change is not in Jesus' vocabulary. Think about it. When we are patient with others, over time, God will change them. Or, here's the bigger one, God will change me. And this should be where I focus more. I'm going to not focus on, I'm going to be patient so that God will, you know, until God changes them. So I would be patient asking God to work on me in my life trusting that God's going to do whatever he needs to do in their life. But God will change me, and I need to be focused there. That's where, that's where the patience will come from. See, the next time you encounter someone who does things differently than you do, be patient. I'm, saying be, I'm not saying be a, a, you know, a, a stepping stone or, a, or a, a, a mat that people wipe their feet on, but I'm saying be patient. When people experience patience from us, they will begin to see the church united as it was established to be. And they will see that Jesus is the subject. Jesus says, here's the reason why. Because they'll see that, I, they'll believe that I'm here and I, and I came to do what it is that you sent me to do, Father. And here's the thing. Unity means you belong here. 
Unity means you belong here. This is a t-shirt we have, right? We've, we've had these shirts made up a couple of years ago. You belong here. And since wearing this shirt, I've discovered that people from all walks of life who express that this is such an important message, they'll see you belong here and they will say, yes, thank you. Thank you for that message. Such a needed message right now. It turns out people, uh, people are struggling to find a sense of belonging and even feeling at times that they don't belong anywhere and, and that they don't belong in this world even. And if that's you, I want to tell you something. You belong here. If you're feeling like you don't belong anywhere, if you're feeling like you're struggling, like you don't even, you don't even belong in this world, I'm telling you, you belong here. And we're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. And God is glad you're here. What does it mean to belong? Well, in Jesus' prayer, he says, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. So Jesus, he kind of opens up his arms and he says, you belong here. Arms wide open. And Jesus is still saying that. He's saying that to you. He's saying that to me. You belong here. Ephesians 2.13 says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. You belong here. And because you belong, you work for unity. Because you belong, you work together for unity. In Ephesians, again, Ephesians 4, 3 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves unified in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort. Do your part. When people look at Christians... They've got to be able to see a group of people willing to embrace one another. I mean, Jesus calls us to embrace others, those who are not here yet, those who are not following him yet, to embrace them with his love. And how will we do that if we don't even embrace one another? True unity, though, it's based on mission and not doctrine. See, there's a key. There's a key to, to say you belong here. It doesn't mean you, you, that we have all the doctrine. You know, we ha- we do different doctrine. When you think about all the denominations, and you start naming Baptist, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, um, you know, Presbyterian. You just start naming all the way on Episcopal. Um, you know, and then you have you know a lot of non-denominational stuff, and 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 a lot of um, you know charismatics, and then all, and you just you. You just keep going and keep going and keep going. I'm telling you, there's a lot of different doctrine. We'll never have we'll never have unity in doctrine. It's not going to happen. Unity is in mission, and we're on the mission of Jesus to love God and love people into his kingdom. And we believe this is what matters now because we are to be a catalyst for Christian unity. We believe that about, about ourselves. We, this is it. We believe unity matters now because we, we are to be a catalyst for Christian unity, believing that division of the body of Christ is the opposite of Jesus' plan and vision. And that's because unity leads to peace, real peace. One of my pastor friends, uh, his name's Pastor Fred. Pastor Fred said this uh, one time, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. The reason we can have fellowship together is because I choose not to be offended. Pastor Fred was a different generation than I am, a different skin color than I am, a different denomination than I am. What we have in common is Jesus called us both to be pastors and lead a church, lead a congregation. And he says, the reason we can have fellowship together is because I choose to not be offended. And ever since that, that has stuck with me for years now. And I make that choice. on Sometimes I mess it. Sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I mess up and I have to come back and remind myself. We can have fellowship together. We can have peace because I choose to not be offended. 
Sometimes you have to choose peace. You do. And could it be that the reason followers of Christ are so separated is because we choose to be offended when someone expresses their belief differently than we do? I'm not talking about, uh, you know, being okay with heresy and, and that kind of stuff. I'm talking about just being offended because somebody did, had a little bit of a different belief in something than we do. See, Jesus, he prays a blessing here. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That's a blessing. And you get this feeling Jesus is praying for peace through the unity of his followers. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of the one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. See, unity leads to peace. There, there is one God, and He is through all and in all. And He is the, he's the super glue, okay? He is the peace. And, and, and it's not going to deteriorate. There's no fractures in His love. We only have the unity that leads to peace when we let God be in charge of our hearts. We want this unity that leads to peace. It only happens when we let God be in charge of our hearts. There's a great book I read a number of years ago called Church of God at the Crossroads by Gil Stafford. His, this line, it says, The church that is pleasing to God has its heart purified of the spirit of divisiveness. Awaken church. This is why unity matters now. The church that is pleasing to God has its heart purified of the spirit of divisiveness. And if we have any spirit of divisiveness in our hearts, we need that purified right here and right now. Pastor Jim Lyon said, Hell is not intimidated by a group that preaches unity and practices division. And I'm telling you that the church, the body of Christ, we need to be coming together in unity regardless of those, those, those differences that we have because of what we have in common, that is Jesus. In a world where we keep inventing ways to divide ourselves, unity matters now more than ever. We believe denominations and groups represent Jesus only when we all work together with one another and not opposed to one another. And as we become more like Jesus, we become all for one and one for all. So I encourage you today or this week, take this next step. Begin to pray for unity in the body of Christ. Pray, make this a prayer. Like, like, like make it a prayer for you. Pray for unity in the body of Christ and ask God to show you how it can begin with you. Lord, help it. Uh, let it begin with us. Lord, we're praying for unity in the body of Christ. We're praying for unity in the, in the churches in Natchitoches. We're praying for unity in the church in Louisiana. We're praying for unity in the Church of God, uh, Louisiana Congregational Ministries of the Church of God. In Louis, it, we're praying for unity, God. We're praying for unity of, of the church in, in this country. Because, Lord, our countries we're letting politics and, and all kinds of things divide us. And so, Lord, I was pray, we're praying now, Lord. We're praying now, Lord, for unity within the church. That would be not about politics, not, not less about politics, but zero about politics, and all about you and your love and the kingdom of your love. We're praying for unity, Lord, in the body of Christ. Lord, help us to see how it starts with us. Lord, as individuals in our community, and as a church within our own movement and, and within our network, and, and, and as a church in, in this city and in this, this community, Lord, Begin to show us. Show us, Lord. Because, Lord, we want to lead out. We're leading with a yes to your, your will for us. And we believe unity matters, and we are to be a catalyst for this unity. And so, Lord, 
We, we say yes to you now. Lord, would you lead us into how we can, how we can begin to be agents of unity in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you've been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.